This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 164. We've just pretty much finished up at the end of a pretty fun, pretty interesting, pretty out there, pretty uncomfortable journey, trip. I don't, I don't even know what to call it. Too long for a vacation. Adventure. Adventure. Yeah, adventure. There we go. That's a good one. Yeah, adventure. We've just finished up an adventure. To take the whole family, that was the other thing people were surprised that we were taking our children with us for six weeks. Hey, HTYCers. If you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight-day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. Hey, welcome back to Happen to Your Career. I have with me today one of my favorite guests, and yes, I'm a little bit biased. But today we are doing something quite a bit different. And again, I know you've heard me say that from time to time on the Happy Year Career Podcast, partially because we love to try new things and it's sort of practicing what we preach. But then at the same time, it's because we want to expose you to new things because we know how much that helps you as you're developing your own career and what you want in your life. So today I have with me on HDYC my wonderful wife. My lovely bride and business partner, companion, uh, I'm running out of adjectives, but I, like I said, one of my favorite guests, Alyssa Barlow. How are you? Good. Good. Glad to have you back on here. Thanks. On the microphone. (laughs) Officially. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a lot to talk about today and we've got... Uh, well, I don't know. You want you want to fill people in here because we we have just we've just pretty much finished up at the end of a pretty fun, pretty interesting, pretty out there, pretty uncomfortable journey trip. I don't I don't even know what to call it. Too long for a vacation. Adventure. Adventure. Yeah, <laughs> adventure. There we go. That's a good one. Yeah, adventure. <laughs> we've just finished up an adventure, and. It has been, it's been a ton of fun for me, but I, I'm curious, like fill people in. What is, what has happened for the last six weeks here? Where? No, no, no. After you, she's, <laughs> she's giving me a look like, do I go now? Are you going to stop talking? <laughs> when do I do this? Okay, go. Uh, so we have been in Europe for the last six weeks. Um, we left a little before Christmas time, uh, headed to Portugal first for about two weeks, I guess, almost 14 days. And then headed to Paris for the remaining four weeks and just got home barring some small travel delays (laughs) yesterday, but we're glad to be home and ready to share what we learned. Yeah. And this has been, this is obviously, you know, we're, we're both really enamored with it and that's why we took the time to go to Europe for six weeks. But we thought that there was so much within this that not only was worth doing, but really applied to your career and your journey, your life, that we thought we'd share some of the things that that we learned, plus some of the backstory for why on earth we did this in the first place, because it was really, really interesting along the way. We, As we would talk to people about our plans to head over to Europe and live and work and visit and everything like that. Take this adventure because it's too long for a vacation. Uh, we got we got a variety of of mixed reactions. Would you say? Yeah. What what did you? What were some of the things that you heard? Um, I mean, most people were happy for us. Some people after the initial, "Are you crazy? You're leaving your home for six weeks." Um, it you know, kind of enamoring, I guess, like you said, uh, to take the whole family. That was the other thing. People were surprised that we were taking our children with us for Why six would weeks. Why you do that? Oh my goodness. Um, so lots of questions about, uh, taking them out of school for an extended period of time. Um, 
But for the most part, I mean, most people were excited about it, wanted to hear about our experience over there, what we learned and what we saw. Well, that's part of the reason why we're doing this and having this conversation with you right now, because we had so many, so many people write to us from uh, people that follow Happen to Your Career, people that are on our email list, people that listen to this podcast that had not only wished us good luck, but said, hey, send pictures, keep us informed, that whole thing. So we have not done a live podcast. This, I guess it's not really live. It's on demand, but we have not done a, <laughs> we, we recorded a whole bunch of episodes and uh, that way we'd be able to free up a little bit of our time so that we'd get to see more of, more of Europe. But this is the first one that we've, we've done as a full length episode for almost six weeks, over six weeks, probably about eight weeks now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So we wanted to fill you in because a lot has happened. All right. So why on earth, I guess, fill, fill people in on the backstory here. Like how, how did this even come about? And, and we can kind of, we can kind of tell this, tell this story together a little bit, but how, how did this come out from your perspective? Was it just like another one of my things where I woke up and like, Hey, we should go to Europe or, (laughs) (laughs) um, well, I think when the, um, HGYC business came into mind, um, part of the priority was to make it a business where we had flexibility and freedom uh, to work from anywhere, to have some other experiences, to do some other things, and to be more involved with the kids um, or have them more involved with us, I guess. And then um, I have my brother uh, is in the military and has been overseas for almost five years now. Uh, They were stationed in Okinawa first, and we had wanted to go over there and visit them to see Japan, and we were still working on building the business on the side. Scott was still working full-time. Timing just wasn't, it wasn't right for us to go over there. Um, And then about a year and a half ago, they moved to Portugal, and we thought, this is our opportunity. We really want to see Europe anyway. Um, Japan would have been cool, and eventually maybe we'll go there, but uh, we really want to see Europe. We can't miss the opportunity this time. So this, uh, this was, it's been something that's in the making for probably like what, four or five years, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah. Because it, just like you said, it started with, it started with the business and you're in my desire to be able to, um, work where we wanted to, which most of the time is from home, home office and everything like that. And then be able to help people in the way that we wanted to, which means that, uh, we, we, I don't know, can spend time on the road, can spend time from home, whatever it might be. But that's part of how the business was born with, with at least that in, in mind, in the background someplace. And then from there, it it really became a, really became a, I know you, you and I had had multiple conversations about not wanting to spend winters. Just, just a little behind the scenes information. Neither (laughs) Alyssa and I really are in love with Lots and lots of snow for extended periods of time. It's awesome right around Christmas. And we both are from, you're from Montana. I'm originally from Northern Idaho. We both are from areas that get lots of snow. Like think like, uh, Michigan or (laughs) Minnesota. I remember tunneling out, uh, you know, six feet of snow, uh, trying to dig out my grandma and my relatives and stuff like that in their driveways. So no stranger to snow. Right. But right. But we we have often desired to spend winters someplace else. So this was our first first foray at that. Now you might ask, okay, how on earth did you end up in uh, Paris, France? Because that was part of the trip, and we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry, uh, because it, it gets a little bit cold during during this time of the year. But Portugal, however, is not very cold, right? Yeah, Portugal was beautiful. It was mid. Uh, 50s. I think it might have hit 60 one day when we were there. Um, the day we were at the beach, actually, fortunately for us. Um, but yeah, very temperate weather, similar to like San Diego, California. It's on the coastline, so very similar temperate oh, yeah. weather. Oh yeah, even looks a little bit like California does, area too. Yeah. I did not anticipate that. Yeah. Yeah. So why we got to the point where 
we said, okay, we, we missed this opportunity to go to Okinawa, see your brother there while they were over there. And we've always wanted to mo- do winters away. Now we've been working for years and uh, you know, been able to help a bunch of people build this business that, uh, that allows us to take more freedom and work from pretty much anywhere. So what, what happened from there? In your mind, why, why, did, why did you want to do this? Um, I think probably the biggest starting point was going to see my, um, brother and his family. Um, they have two kids and we don't, we usually see them once a year. Um, but not typically at Christmas time. So, uh, you know, to spend the winter away with them at Christmas, we knew they weren't coming back to the States for Christmas. So to go over there and spend it with them. Um, and then, you know, when you're putting out the money to buy five, international plane tickets you might as well make it worth your money and stay for a while yeah so how did how did we arrive at paris france because we had multiple places on on the list right we did how yeah i think mostly the kids um you know i think the kids while they didn't understand now i think they do understand what paris france is but you know i think they'd seen the eiffel tower in cartoons or seen pictures of the eiffel tower or heard us talk about it before Um, and so I think for them, the Eiffel Tower stood out in their mind and then that's where they wanted to go was Paris. So, oh yeah, they latched onto it. Yeah. Absolutely latched onto it. In fact, good. uh, Even after we saw the Eiffel Tower, could not, uh, two of them would not stop talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But I think that's one of the big, big reasons why I know that I wanted to go too, is because you and I had multiple conversations months and months and months ago. Actually, geez, I guess at this point. Uh, about a year ago, even about exposing our kids to different things early on, right? Mm-hmm. And exposing ourselves to different different things, different cultures uh, early on too, right? E- yeah. Expanding our own mindset and uh, having now been there and done that, I would say, I would say that's a big thing that came out of it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, definitely. When you know, you think of traveling abroad, you know, you're going to get a different experience, but I think there are things that came out of it or that we hope to come out of it in the future with the kids, um, that we didn't expect. Um, you know, I don't, we talked about while we were over there, hopefully it opens their eyes to realizing that it's not as difficult to be in a foreign country as you might think it would be. And maybe that will brighten, broaden their horizons for wanting to do it again themselves later in life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too that, well, I won't speak for you, but I'll definitely speak for me. One of the things that I'm continuously interested in is, uh, and again, another thing that you and I have talked about pretty consistently is we know that anytime there's any type of relationship, it's either growing together intentionally or unintentionally growing apart. Right. And that happened. That's true for any kind of relationship, whether it be spouse relationship, you know, friend, uh, family, brother, whatever. Uh, and we have continuously, um, not always been good at it, but we, we try to always seek out ways to, uh, to continuously grow together. And that's one of the things I was really, really interested in for our family because we ended up and, and here's kind of, I'll paint a little bit of a picture for you we ended up renting a flat in Paris. So first of all, we spent the first two weeks in Portugal and it was absolutely beautiful. And we can tell you more about that in in a few minutes, but, um, really, really gorgeous spent that with, uh, with Alyssa's brother and they were super kind to be able to put us up there. And it's just absolutely a beautiful place was a ton of fun. But when we went over to, when we went over to Paris, France, then we had reserved a, reserved a flat via Airbnb and it's, it's obviously drastically different than the States, right? So it's in one of their standard style uh, buildings that was built a couple hundred years ago and it wraps around a courtyard and was probably uh, 800 to 900 square feet. Uh, I'm trying to do the meter <laughs> translation in my head and it's not coming fast. 
It was not large, that's for sure. It was not large, necessarily. It, it wasn't tiny yeah. either. I mean, some of the stuff we had looked at on Airbnb was tiny. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. this one was, what's part of the reason why we chose it? It wasn't as tiny as some of the other stuff. Wasn't as, t- in, I mean, that's all relative, right? Compared yeah. to what we're used to, compared to, you know, our house with studio in the in the front and... I don't know, whatever else in the back and everything like that, then it, it felt much, much tinier, but because it was so tiny, it forced us to be around each other on a pretty consistent basis, whether we wanted to or not. And I think that that type of continuous exposure, that type of intentional continuous exposure, um, kind of forces you to grow together as a a family too, when you're doing everything together because the kids weren't in school. In that case, we intentionally pulled them out of school. And that's one of the, I don't know, criticisms, questions, concerns, whatever you want to call it, that we got from a lot of different people. It's like, can you just do that? Can you just pull them out of school? <laughs> like, how does, how does, won't they be mad? <laughs> what, what were the reactions, by the way? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, I come from an education background, so most of the people I associate with are also in education. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of, you know, well, how are you going to make sure they don't fall behind while you're gone? And is the school okay with you taking them out of school for an extended period of time like that? And, um, you know, there were some of those questions. And, of course, we had talked to their teachers since the beginning of the year this year to let them know that it was happening. And um, their teachers were more than ecstatic to let them go so that they could experience through them um, and keep track of us while we were over there. And uh, so, I mean, it was just... It really was pretty seamless. It it didn't, there really was no issues with it at all. I mean, the school wasn't concerned about it. Their teachers weren't concerned about it. No, their teachers were, oh, they're going to learn way more over yeah, there. Yeah, and their teachers really didn't even <laughs> want, I mean, they asked us if we wanted them to send stuff with the kids to do, but they didn't really want to. They, you know, all of their teachers said, we want them to experience what life is like over there, not sit and do schoolwork while they're over there. So... Which we still did. I mean, we did a fair amount of schoolwork while we were over there, but. That's the advantage of having a built-in teacher, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <Right>? yeah. <laughs> you know, I, aside from that family time and the world exposure for the kids, I am really curious what your biggest takeaways from doing this were. Um, I think definitely, like you said, growing together as a family, um, you know, initially going over there, I was really apprehensive about, um, spending, I don't know, for, you know, 18 waking hours a day in the same place, the same time. We don't do that. I mean, most people are shocked that Scott and I work at home at the same time. How can you do that? (laughs) So you're still alive. (laughs) So to be over there and with each other all the time plus the kids which we're not used to having home all the time because they're at school for six hours a day so I was a little apprehensive about all of us being in a cramped space and um you know being in a world where we don't quite understand what's going on around us all the time um but it was it was actually pleasant and we had a lot of fun and um when we said you know we say prayers at dinner every night and the kids would say what they were thankful for. And almost every night, at least one of them said they were thankful for being able to spend the entire day with the family. Um, so I think that that for them also is a big takeaway to be able to spend an extended period of time like that, where we did nothing but spend time with each other. Hey, I just wanted to cut in here because We just recently put together the ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. And this came from us getting the same questions again and again and again from listeners just like you that wanted to be able to identify their signature strengths and be able to use this to make a career change to work that they actually are excited about and use some of the, some of the things that are unique about them. And I uh, I was really excited that we could get this all into one guy. So I want to give it to you for free. Here's all you have to do is you can just pause right now and text my strengths. That's M Y, no space strengths plural to four four two two two. That's my strengths to four four two two two, and we'll ship it right over. It's pretty cool. We talk about in the guide, how, how strengths operate differently than what you think they do. And then why they absolutely are one of the keys to doing work that you love. And then we go into four specific ways 
to get started immediately identifying your signature strengths. And then we even tell you how to use those strengths and represent them in the interview process and even how to answer some of the most common interview questions. Pretty cool, right? Just go ahead and text my strengths to 44222. We'll send it right over. To be fair too, you know, we, we get that, we get that question on a regular basis because we work together and live together and work from home and all those sorts of things. We probably compared to the average couple spend way more time around each other without killing each other. But you know, that, that is one of the big questions. And I think if we did, so we've been married for how long now? I know I should know this and I can't believe I'm hesitating on 12 years. We've been married a long time for (laughs) our age probably. Um, but we've been together for like 17, right? Mm-hmm. 17? Yeah, 17. 17. Okay, good thing I got that right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's 17, if it were 17 years ago, like I don't think we would have survived, right? So no. it's it's been a continuous progression for 17 years. So I say that to be able to put it in context of it's been hard work on the relationship for years and years and years. Uh, and I think we, I don't know if you're ever ready to, I don't know, spend <laughs> just all day, every day or anything like that. But it, it forced us to grow in some of the ways that we wanted to grow. And we probably would not have been ready for that 12, 18, or definitely not 18. We've only been together for 17 years, but a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. 10 plus years ago. <laughs> so just, just to help you give a little bit of the context around that. So what, what other takeaways did you have? Um... I think, well, I kind of already addressed it a little bit, like the schooling for the kids. Um, And I think we had in our minds before going over there, um, you know, we wanted to keep them up on their math and their reading. um, But we figured journaling would be the biggest part uh, of their schoolwork over there. And it definitely turned out that that was the, um, I think the most interesting for them also, because it was them being able to reflect upon and share their experiences or what they saw Um, and in some ways for me, it was kind of, uh, I had to step back a little bit because, uh, especially Camden, our middle son who doesn't do anything conventional or what we would expect him to do typically. Um, he often, we would go somewhere that, you know, of course we're going there because it's a tourist site or because we think it has some significance and we would come home and have them write their journal entry and he would write about, walking down the street to the subway or he would write about the pigeon that he saw fly by. He wouldn't write about the place that we went to. It's like, kid, we just saw Notre Dame. <laughs> right. But I think that was actually really, really good though. And yeah. It, I don't know. It forced, uh, forced me to really take a look through their eyes. Right. And I don't know. I, I feel, I feel closer is probably the right word. I feel closer to them because of, of that. Well, I think we got to see more of what really truly interests them versus what we were going to Paris to see. And like Grayson, our youngest son who, you know, we kind of, people questioned us, you know, would he remember this? And I don't know if he'll remember it in 25 years. I'm sure he'll remember some stuff, but he's, uh, he's, he's six. six years old. Um, so he's kind of on the edge of, you know, some stuff he might not remember. And we went to the Louvre and, you know, we see all these cool pieces of art at the Louvre. And, um, at the end of the trip, we went on a scavenger hunt through the Louvre, which we'll explain more about later. Um, but he said the most exciting thing was at the end when we got to pick up the gift from our tour guide in the <laughs> locker room of the Louvre, basically. So we'd seen all this amazing stuff in the Louvre, and all he cared about was the book that we found at the end. <laughs> Which, so I mean, it yeah. just puts it in a totally different. You know, we go to the Louvre thinking, oh, they're going to experience all this artwork and they're going to see all this cool stuff. And he, I'm sure, will remember some of that stuff, but he'll, I don't think he'll ever forget the book that we found at the end of the tour. <laughs> No, I, I don't think so at all. And it was really interesting what they would pick up because although we were enamored with all the sites and probably some of the more, I don't know, conventional reasons people go to Paris, right? Right. They all saw completely different things and they were <laughs> they were witnessing things that we didn't see at all. Like yeah. you mentioned Camden in the, in the subway. <laughs> so if, if you've been to Paris before, then you know this and probably one of the reasons that we absolutely loved the city, but it is extremely walkable. It mm-hmm. is actually... I had no idea, just really legitimately, ignorantly, 
and naively had no idea that it is such a small area. Yeah. And I mean, you could walk across the entire uh, central part of the city uh, in maybe 55 minutes or so, about an hour if you wanted to, if you wanted to do the do the whole area. Right. Um, and I mean, that might be exaggerating a little bit, but it's very, very, very small compared to what I would have thought prior to spending an extended period of time there. And then with the subway, when you jump on the subway, which is one of the things Camden absolutely loved, um, you can get anywhere within a very, very short period of time. And it's just a very, very walkable, manageable city that is really... Uh, you fall in love with it when you experience it that way yeah. you, versus driving around. And that's one of the things that, you know, coming back, we didn't want to do at all. We're like, I do not miss driving at all. Even the kids several times said, wow, when we go back, we have to ride in the car everywhere we go. Like it just, it, I, I also did not think, I thought it would be easier to get around that way, but I didn't realize how much I would enjoy walking and riding the subway versus getting in a car and driving and parking and, all that other stuff that we become so accustomed to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if you, if you live in a larger city or have lived in a larger city that has really good, um, you know, metropolitan access or good, uh, metro type, uh, transportation, public transportation, mm-hmm. then you might already be used to that. But if you haven't, then Paris will be a very, very pleasant wake up because it's a totally different way to experience, experience city life, right. Mm-hmm. Or experience living, yeah, I would say in general. And it's so much easier than I thought it would be. That was one of my apprehensions is, oh my gosh, we have to ride the subway everywhere. What what if we get lost? What if we can't figure out where we're going? And it was so easy to figure out where we were going and when to get off. And even if we didn't get off at the right stop, how to figure out where we were. I mean, it was just, it was much easier than I thought it would be. Yeah. Me as, me as well. And I I know that you, I know that you had some apprehensions uh, going into it, but I'm curious about, I'm curious about how you thought, um, how you thought, uh, how you thought the sightseeing went, I guess in general, because we had, we had talked about going to a lot of different places. Um, for those of you that have followed the news, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in Paris and in Europe. And, you know, we actually signed up with, uh, to get embassy notifications and registered with the embassy that we were over there. A small tip, uh, from a, from a friend that way, if something emergency does go down, then they can actually contact us and whatever else. Right. So we were getting all of these notifications daily about all this stuff going on around Europe. So that didn't help with the apprehension, but I'm curious from, uh, either that perspective or sightseeing in general, what were some of your biggest takeaways and how did you overcome some of that apprehension uh, and still enjoy yourself? Um, I think I almost feel, while I think it was good that we registered with the embassy in case there really was an emergency, a natural disaster, or something were to have happened. Um, aside from that, I almost think, and I, I know they're trying to give you the knowledge that they have to protect you, but, um, once you get used to the military and the police presence at the tourist sites, I really felt like we were safe. I mean, they are, yes, they are on guard over there and yes, they're military and police carry loaded machine guns and, (laughs) Uh, you know, once you get used to seeing that, then it really isn't, I don't know. I mean, I guess like here we're used to seeing our police officers carry guns. So it's, it's not any different. It's just a different type of gun. Yeah. But I never felt unsafe over there. Um, the, when we were in the Louvre and it got evacuated, that was a bit (laughs) panicking. That's Um, a story for another day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, sightseeing, I, I wish we could have done more, but we quickly realized that with the kids, and so if you choose to do something like this with younger um, children, I would say even probably into their early teens, uh, you can only do so much in a day. And you, if you're there at a busy time, we were not, we, we were part there at a peak time and part there at a non-peak time. Um, if you're there at a peak time, things take a long time. There's a lot of standing in line. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of security. You have to go through metal detectors at every tourist attraction that you go through. So if you're there to peak time, there's a lot of standing in line. 
Um, and that gets really wearing on the kids. The nice thing about Paris is that you really probably don't go more than 15 feet without a cafe to walk by. So you can go in and get a coffee and hot cocoa or, you know, whatever to drink or eat, um, to kind of refresh the kids. But, um, yeah, so we quickly realized you could only do so many things, uh, in a day. And then when you're, you know, we were working over there on top of it. So then trying to fit that into, which Scott will talk more about that, but. Yeah. And you know, I guess a couple of the takeaways that I had as well were when you're trying to work, cause we were, and not everybody does that. I mean, you might go to Europe and you might go entirely for vacation. We were partially there for work and partially there for, for pleasure. We met, we ended up meeting, uh, some of our customers and podcast listeners and readers and, uh, and HDYCers over in Europe. And that was so much fun. And we were working on a, I don't know, probably worked about 25 hours ish a week or so, something along those lines. So it was, it was definitely a work trip in that regard. But also we were trying to figure out how do we, how do we make the most out of that, get the most important stuff done. And that was one of the big, big lessons for me is that when you, <laughs> when you do a better job of identifying exactly what needs to be done and then really give yourself a very, very limited amount of time and the space to be able to actually do it, then the work just doesn't take as long. And I've, I found that true in the past, even when I was working for, for a company, like the, the last company that I worked for, um, I found that I could realistically get the vast majority of my job done in like 20 hours even though I was sort of expected to be there for around 40 hours plus a week. But, you know, that was a good reminder for, for me. And that's something that I'm, I'm carrying forward as, as well. So, uh, you know, I think that that's entirely possible to be able to be able to do that, be able to both travel and work at the same time. And I honestly, you had apprehensions, but I had apprehensions about that. Like, <laughs> How are we going to keep this company going? Are we going to be able to get people the stuff that they need? And realistically, I mean, that was that was an area of, of growth for me because I'm used to, well, if something doesn't get done, you know, I've got an extra extra hour during the day or it might work after the kids go to bed or something else along those lines. And we we didn't allow that to be the case this time around. It had to be done. And it had there had a very, very, very small amount of time to, to do stuff. Yeah. So it. If you decide that you are interested in traveling and you decide that you're interested in working at the same time, then we've got all kinds of tips and we've actually got a side project going. We'll tell you more about it. Family podcast or family, uh, passport.co and where we've got all of our adventures and everything else. And again, we'll tell you a little bit more about that and where you can, where you can follow along for some of this stuff. But, um, but my biggest takeaway was that. Parkinson's law is in full force. Parkinson's law is <laughs> whatever the amount of time you allow, you will fill it. Whether it's a short period of time, whether it's a long period of time, whatever amount of time you allow, you will fill it. So that was, that was one of my biggest takeaways. Um, and you can compress time and it really forced us to use, use time differently. And then I already mentioned earlier, you know, about growing together as a family, but that was a, that was geez, such a, such a huge takeaway when freed up a lot of that time and made time replace the time with spending time around you and the kids and mm -hmm. doing stuff with you constantly <laughs> <laughs> all day long, <laughs> then it really did. It really forced us to grow together as a family. So mm -hmm. that was, that was absolutely. And, and I think my last and final big takeaway was really about, we get, we get so trapped in, in the ways of doing things and, from time to time, I've, I've really tried to take myself out of my normal routine. I haven't always been successful at it, but we were able to literally remove ourselves from our normal routine physically and mentally and figuratively and whatever else, right? All the, all of the ways mm -hmm. and doing so really forces you to evaluate. So coming back into, into normal life, we're looking at, Hey, do we even need to be doing the same stuff that we were doing before? What, I mean, living in a 900 square foot house. Uh, and this is coming from two people that, uh, out of the last 15 years or so, how many times have we moved? Like nine times. Yeah. So we've purged a lot of stuff and compared to the average family, we probably don't 
own that much stuff overall, right? Yeah. But we were living in this 800 square footish, 900 square footish area compared to, you know, we're used to quite a bit larger area than that. And thinking, oh my goodness, how do we have so much stuff? Mm-hmm. So it, I don't know. It, it forced me to evaluate in different, different ways. I don't know. How do you, how do you think about that? Um, I think it just made me realize that, you know, uh, like one of the difficulties for me was, um, finding food and cooking because we didn't want to eat out the entire time we were there. We did eat out quite a bit, actually more than I think we thought we would. Um, but you know, when you are not in your own kitchen, you don't have your own supplies, you know, just having to think outside the box to figure out, okay, what, what's the least amount of stuff I can buy or how can I make this when I only have one pot that works on the induction cooktop stove versus my six pots at home that I have to choose from or you know I wanted to make something in the oven well there was no pan for the oven so how can I improvise and figure out a different way to make something um so just realizing that I think it was almost more of an appreciation to know yes I missed my things at home and um I knew I would be glad to get home and back to stuff that I knew how to use and knew what to do with and things like that. But it made me appreciate how much we do have. Um, and I think sometimes we get so into our routines that we forget about that. We start taking it for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And I I felt very much the same too. Okay. So what, what surprised you the most (laughs) in, in doing this? So we're over there for six weeks and as you said, we're out of our routines. We're outside of our comfort zones. We're living in the, in the middle of Paris. And uh, it, what, what really surprised you? Um, about Paris or about living away from? All of it. All of it all. Open-ended well, question. <laughs> Biggest surprise. open-ended question. Um... Uh, I think what I just mentioned, one of my biggest surprises is it was more difficult to cook than I thought it would be. Uh, I didn't, I knew the food would be different over there, but I didn't think it would be as difficult for my mind to figure out what to make and how to make it. Yeah. Um, I think that was a, that was a big surprise for me. I mean, I figured I'd go to the grocery store and I would find stuff and we would make it work and we did make it work. Um, but I'm much more of a recipe follower as a cook. Um, Scott is our cook who can take stuff out of the cupboard and throw it all together and call it a meal. I don't do and Sometimes it works. <laughs> I don't do that as well. So that was a, that was a surprise for me that it was much more difficult to cook than I thought it would be. I was proud of you though, because <laughs> I, I would come home from the co-working space. I ended up getting a co-working space so that I could leave, focus on the stuff, come back. And that was a, you know, that was one of the little tricks that we used, but I would come back and you would have thrown together this amazing meal. And it's like, four ingredients that happened to randomly be there and you went to the store and got two more and that was it. And, (laughs) and I was, I was rather impressed. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, what about sleeping? Cause I know you and I had talked about, (laughs) we talked about this a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, you know, initially when we got to Europe, uh, the jet lag was, it was great for me. Actually, I was getting up at six in the morning. I was going to bed on time. It, it felt great. I actually told Scott, I think the first couple of days we were there, maybe I was made for European time zones. Um, but then, uh, I, was I had, great, by yeah, the way. Scott to, had a hard time adjusting in the beginning. Wondering. Yeah. She was, she was no problem. She was yeah. popping out of bed. She had all her work done by the yeah. time I got up and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I had a slight side trip back to the U S which we can talk about it at a different point in time, but, um, coming back again, that's when the jet lag hit me and it was, I couldn't get up. I was tired. Um, I didn't feel well. Uh, and so then we kind of slipped into a pattern of staying up really, really late and getting up really late. Um, but what was surprising to both of us, I think over there is that that's how their, um, culture works. They stay up very late and they get up late. And when, all of your windows, um, or you're surrounded by buildings. And so all of the windows have buildings blocking the view. Basically it did not get light until almost nine o'clock in the morning. So it didn't seem like we were sleeping in that late. And then we get up and be like, Oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock already. How are we sleeping till nine o'clock? And keeping in mind too, like my normal get up time is four, four thirty, someplace in there. So 
this we're getting up at nine o'clock some days 10 yeah and it's like oh my goodness I am so lazy (laughs) uh and yeah it felt really 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 weird and that was that was one of the interesting things too you you talked about you know all the decisions around food and what are we going to eat tonight and how is this going to work and by the way going uh, going and I knew this but I didn't really fully understand it because when you get over there particularly in Paris and this is not true for everywhere in Europe, but particularly in Paris, going to the market, going, going to the store is part of everyday life. You do that pretty much every day. And the food is very, very fresh and it doesn't have a lot of it. It doesn't have lots of preservatives and, and things like that. And it doesn't like last that. long either. And so it doesn't last If you don't need long. it, it doesn't keep. We learned that quickly. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So you're going, you're going out to eat or you're going to the market and you're mm-hmm. doing that pretty much every day, which means also that you are deciding every single day. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea, just really didn't, didn't fully understand or appreciate just how many different things that we've put in place to put our, our decisions on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And that was, (laughs) that was rough for me because Mm -hmm. it put me totally outside the comfort zone. And um, that's one of the reasons I think that we slept so long because we would make so many decisions throughout the day yeah. on, Hey, where are we going? What are we doing? How are we going to get there? Which subway line is this? Like, is this line four? Is this line five? Yeah. What are we going to eat tonight? Where are we going to, uh, and we'd make all of those decisions and pretty much had decision fatigue, which ends up taking just a huge, huge amount out of you. So coming, you know, going in and out of normal routine life, mm-hmm. um, Give me a profound appreciation for just how much how much we've done to put our, our lives and decisions on autopilot so that we can focus on other stuff during normal life. But then also at the same time, it it's a whole different type of experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it was fun, but oh my goodness, it was exhausting. And yeah. I normally sleep like six and a half hours. I was sleeping like nine hours a day and it didn't feel like enough sleep. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what did you... Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but we were, I mean, you know, here we can... I can meal plan for a week at a time or two weeks at a time and grocery shop for that. And then I don't have to think about it again after I make the initial plans where there I had to think about it every single day for three meals a day Oh yeah. for when we were going to be at what time, where we were going to be at what time so that we knew whether or not we needed food for it or whether we were going to eat something out because we realized quickly the food didn't keep. So if we tried to buy stuff for a couple of days at a time, by the time we got to it, it wasn't good anymore. So then we kind of had to start over again. So, um, yeah, that's true. I didn't, I didn't make that connection, I guess. There's but. no Costco in Paris, France. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, Which is good and bad. I mean, yeah. I think you get used to it, but we are very used to our American ways of doing things. But again, you know, back to, back to one of the reasons why we wanted to go in the first place is we wanted to get outside of that and mm-hmm. we did. So, uh, in, and I think in some of the, some of the best ways too. Now, any, uh, I, I think, oh, I was going to ask you first, is there any other things that were a big surprise for you? And I'm sure there's tons, way more yeah, than we're going to have lot. time to be able to talk about uh, on here, but any other big ones that you want to make sure everybody knows about? Um, I think the last thing that I would say to that is that um, it is a lot easier than I thought it would be. Um, we, we didn't know any French going over there. Uh, we still know pretty minimal amount of French coming home, which actually, you know, in some ways is good, in some ways is bad. Um, when you're over there, there are so many people that speak English that if you try and speak French to them, they still know you're American, and so they still <laughs> speak English back to you. <laughs> um, and then a lot of times they'll laugh at you in the process because you're not saying it even close to correctly. <laughs> oh yeah, I I had so at the co-working Scott space, was much more adventurous than I was about attempting the French language. <laughs> I kept trying to ask how to say it, and I would I wouldn't hear the difference in the syllables, and uh, it's a very it's a very smooth, uh, soothing language, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have a lot of hard syllables or hard sounds. Mm-hmm. It's uh, mostly soft sounds. So I I could not distinguish some of the time. We finally, at the very, very end, that was the interesting part about it. You know, we were over there for four weeks in, in, in Paris and it finally just started soaking in where I could start to hear some of that stuff and where I could uh, make some of it out in the conversation or I could repeat it back. But it was only just barely. It took four weeks to be able to get to anywhere even remotely close to that point. Right. And... 
it, it, yeah, it, they were laughing at me because I would try and say it and I think I would say it perfectly and it was way <laughs> off. <obvious. laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I, I think in some regards it makes it easier for Americans or, um, you know, it, it makes it easier for us to travel over there because so many people know English. Um, so yeah, I think that would be my other biggest takeaway. You know, I, I felt, I think the other big thing for me was I felt so, and I know I struggled to try and tell you this the other day, but humbled is, is the right word because the USA is a young country. And I actually had somebody tell me that over there, like, oh, you're in such a young country. And I, at first I'm like, no, I'm not. And I stopped and thought about it for half a second and realized, yeah, you know what? Most of the buildings that are over there are not most of them, but a lot of the buildings that are over there in in many cases are older than our country, which is just mind boggling to me. Mm -hmm. And it was, was very humbling in, in regard that, Life is so fleeting. We got to do so many things over there, not just be around really cool architecture that was absolutely amazing and so symbolic and it had so much artistry woven into it. And that was the case both in Portugal and in and in Paris. But then we also got to got to witness some really interesting events too. We're we're Catholic, so we went to Notre Dame and they bring out the uh crown of thorns that uh, was there. And I have, I have no idea really if it's the real crown of thorns, you know, that sat on Jesus's head and everything like that. But it was really, really interesting. And again, mind boggling for me to think about, Hey, this, all of this stuff is so very, very, very old. And life is just, we're, we're only here for an instant. And that made me appreciate a whole bunch of it, a whole bunch more, but then also realize that, Hey, look, if you want to do something like go and travel, or if you want to do something like build a business, or if you want to change careers, or if you want to anything that you want to do, there's just a very short amount of time to do it. And, you know, we, we're not going to spend very much time on, on this, this particular earth in this way. So whatever it is, like you kind of have to go for it. Right. So this is, this is one of the ways that we went for it. And we wanted to share just a tiny, tiny bit with you, but why would somebody want to do this? Say they have a family or say they don't have a family. Why would, why would somebody want to do this? We've already talked about a few of the ways, but uh, from your perspective, why would, why would somebody be interested in, in traveling for a short period or extended period of time? Um, I think that the, I think like you said earlier, the, time and experience with your family. I think we get so stuck in our routines and our ways and we think we're spending a lot of time together and we think we're, you know, doing things together. And we do, we do as a family do a lot of things together. But when you remove yourself from your routines and your ways, um, you get to experience each other in a different way. That is right. I couldn't agree more experience each other in a different way. Uh, that that's tweetable. I think <laughs> <laughs> Kirby, you can pull that one out. And, <laughs> uh, Kirby's Kirby's on our team. She's our uh, blog and content editor and she's, she's the person who makes a lot of this stuff happen. So when you get to see it and read it an email and everything else, <laughs> it probably came from Kirby. So <laughs> much, much thanks to Kirby. By the way, we get so many emails and things like that and, and reviews and, and, uh, and people, uh, saying thank you, and I often pass those on to our team because it wouldn't wouldn't happen without without uh, the team. But stuff like this, if if this is a part of um, if this is a part of what you want out of life, if you want to be able to travel or you want to be able to do something that is unconventional, then we want to support you to do that. And you know by now, if you've listened to the show for more than seventeen seconds, then you know by now that uh, that we help people create really unconventional lives, uh, particularly around their careers. And we would love to support you in in doing that. So you can go over to happenyourcareer dot com and you can find lots of ways that we can we can do that. Everything from coaching to courses to classes, you name it. But if you're interested in following along on our journey, this is not the only time we're going to do this. 
it's not our first time to Europe, but it is our first time for an extended stay in Europe. And it's not the only time that we're going to do that. However, we've uh, we've been trying to decide what is the right number of, of weeks that we go. We're thinking someplace between three or four. But we've learned a lot because we've been researching for over the last year and obviously have been to Europe a few times now and uh, and learned quite a bit along the way. So we want to be able to share that plus our journey with you. And we've done that as a, as a side project. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier. What's that address, Alyssa? Familypassport.co. Familypassport.co. So we actually have a couple of different pieces of that side project. You can go over and you can listen to a podcast that we've created where we talk a little bit about different ways that you can travel with your family, how to make it easier and how to make it uh, possible, but particularly around the areas that we got to visit and a lot of the things that we've learned, plus just some of our adventures along the way. Uh, so all of that at familypassport.co. You can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, just search Family Passport. It'll pop right up. And we'd love for you to be able to follow along because we're going to do this for future seasons as well. We are debating where the next place is. <laughs> so this is this is much debate in the, in the Barlow family. So I think it's limited down to possibly Australia and New Zealand. Possibly. Or maybe the UK. Or maybe the UK. <laughs> Depends on what time of year we go this time. Depends on what time of year. Yep. <laughs> so that's that's next. That'll end up being season two. And yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you as a, as a listener. And if we can, if you want to travel or do anything else, then just, just reach out. We'll be thrilled to pieces to support you any way that we can help you make it possible. Hey, thank you so much for, for doing this. Thanks for coming on the show. Sure. Again. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yep. All right. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Happened to Your Career podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate you. And guess what? We've got plenty more coming up next week right here on Happened to Your Career. So take a listen to what we've got in store for you next week on the Happened to Your Career podcast. But if your main goal is to immediately generate revenue, then that's not where you want to start. Or if your main goal is to figure out, is this a viable business? You should not be starting a podcast. I think that that you should do it, but you should do it for the right reasons because a lot of misaligned expectations with activity and outcomes are tend to be, uh, cause people to burn out. And I, I mean, I know people right now that have had a podcast for almost three years and literally have had maybe three clients. That's right. All that and plenty more next week. It's here on Happen to Your Career. I will see you next week when the episode releases on Monday. All right. I am out. Adios. Mm-hmm.